Welcome to the Jesus Name News Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Jesus Name News Podcast. Thanks for being with us today. This week, we are talking about God and modern-day gladiators, also known as sports. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it's a great topic. Uh, you know, football season is here. You know, I got to watch some real football that counts in the standing recently. So I'm very psyched because I, I do happen to enjoy uh, this recreational activity. Um, <laughs> so we're going to we're going to talk about sports and, and where and how they can apply in a Christian's life. Um, yeah, and, yeah. you know, we want to give a little bit of credit because we did we do use sources for a lot of the things that we say. We don't we are not such amazing and knowledgeable creatures that we just know everything. Um, but, you know, we have a, a we got a really good essay. Um, it's a place called Thermelios. Yeah. I think I'm Tem- saying that right. Themelios. Themelios. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay, I'm butchering how to say that. Yeah. Uh, um, I definitely... There's a really good essay there. Um, if you want to kind of see some, one of the, one of the things that very much influenced some of the things we're going to say, um, you know, we just, it, I think it's something that we're going to try to do a little more often is give a little bit of credit to sources of things that we have used um, in what we say. And so with that said, um, let's talk about this. So we think of sports, right? And, and the thing is, in churches, there's, there's a lot of polarized responses. Hey, who would have thunk the church can have polarized responses, right? Um, in, in this regards, you know, there's, there's one side that is like sports are evil. Organized sports are horrible, and you can't do that, you know? And on the other side, there's people who are like sports are the greatest and, you know, they're they're going to the games after church and, you know, they're big fans and they talk about it all the time and all of that. And and it's it's interesting because when we look at the history of church and the history of sports and church, it's it's actually surprising looking at that angle of this when considering how many in the modern church look at it, you know, um, sports actually developed in a lot of religious societies alongside with their religious practices. It was actually a part of their religion. And so, well, yes, today sports are a religion to many people and the people in the people involved are definitely treated as idols. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, a lot of, yeah yeah don't i don't think that anyone would deny that like we know that these people that step out onto a court a field whatever we know that that they are unique physical specimen but we all know that they are worshiped like demigods basically yeah. and i mean i live in wisconsin so let me just be real If you go home and before you go to bed at night, you bow down in your shrine of Giannis and you then bow down to your shrine of Aaron Rodgers. Hold on, Brett. Give my boy Brett Favre some credit. And and then you you also pause for a moment at the shrine of St. Brett the Fallen. Okay. Don't 
also stop and say a prayer to Jesus on your way to bed. Yeah. Because maybe. that doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, he, 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 he's God is not really okay with sharing that level of reverence in your life. Now that's not obviously either way. That's not saying that you can't recognize talent or somebody's ability to do something, but like the level of reverence, I mean, and maybe it's in other areas too. I'm sure it is on some level, but here where I live, it is ridiculous. I mean, there've been times where we've literally canceled services for the whole congregation because of games. Well, I can't remember a time we did that, but I mean, it was like late playoff games and Super Bowls, but like still, I will say though, that I mean, through the filter of biblical thought and biblical theology, sports do become a lot more than a game, but clearly much less of a God. So uh, when you look at the history of church and sports, you the first thought that comes to mind what what is the first scripture that comes to mind that references sports in the bible for you i've run the race exactly i've so we good fight yeah we we know that paul at the very least was introduced to sports like he he knew about training he knew about running a race he knew about fighting and all those things so do you think fighting the good fight is support for mma or pro wrestling Pick your poison. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but although but maybe pro know, wrestling doesn't count, it's not really a sport. No, but we we know that at the very beginning of the church, like Christians were very largely against sports, like often because Christians were were the sport. Like they were being fed lines, they were speared through by gladiators, they were chased by rhinos, dragged by horses and and chariots. But but. You move forward, you know, uh, almost. I have to say, I do see why those sports would have been preached against. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) that is not comparable to throwing a ball through a hoop in any way, shape or form. But when you look at how the Olympics developed and how all these things, how um, gladiators developed, like it, it started out as a religious almost type thing like in honor of Zeus and uh, I believe it was Nike and all those things but um, later into the 18th and 19th century sports were mostly recreational like there was really there was really no organization per se Uh, once you move past like Rome and some of the uh, Arabian Peninsula type stuff uh, once you move past that, sports largely became very recreational, especially in America. However, with the efficiency of the train, you know, literally laying the tracks for professional sports, Christians soon found, you know, this means to an end. So we started, we started finding, hey, we can use this as a means to an end to teach morality, to evangelize, you know, all those things, and. Regularly, regularly, we see athletes crediting God for victory, not for defeat, and, you know, where they might be and for their safety. And, you know, that's all well and that's all good. But 
where do where does God fall on the question of sports is something that has plagued the church for the last you know 70 80 years and the the typical line of thought is that God does not speak on the prophet of sport but give me a second because I'm going to take you all the way back to creation all right so I know I know what Larry's thinking is all what the crap how how do you get sports from creation? First I'm of just all, going like this is this is going to be a good topic. I mean, we're talking about football, we're talking about basketball, we're talking about gladiators, and now we're talking about creation. I mean, so maybe Larry is. We're so covering funny. all the bases to use a sports metaphor, right? But God, God gave Adam and Eve the garden. We all know that God gave. Adam and Eve then a task to dress the garden and to take care of it. And we all know that in the beginning, God made the Sabbath day holy because he rested from his work. So he also told them to be fruitful and multiply. And John Stott says this in regards to, in regards to nature and what god gives us he says nature is what god gives culture is what we do with it so therefore what adam and eve were given was kind of a blank very fertile canvas to work with they were laying the foundation not only for themselves but for future generations and taking the creation and making it useful for the good of the society that they were building you know, people think, well, be fruitful and multiply was part of God's command. So they were obviously having children, right? So they were developing a society. They were developing a construct. And so they were obviously trying to figure out what is good for society, what is not good for society. And obviously, creation was meant to be developed further and enjoyed by Adam and Eve. You know, people think that God gave them this garden and Adam and Eve are having a vacation but god told them to take care of it to to dress it to keep it right and they were working and the first man and first woman were allowed to enjoy the fruit of those labors and rest because that's an interesting thought and i think it's going somewhere that we're not going to be able to go right now but like just I, I don't know about you, but I've I've often thought like, what is heaven gonna be like in terms of like Lord, it sounds boring. Like I like worship. I do. But but forever and that's it. Like there's no conversations, there's there's no games, there's no no anything. And then- you know, like that's a that's like, a the idea question. we have of heaven is just stripped of everything that makes existence exist. Yeah. But, you know, and 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 I'm not saying that heaven is going to be the existence like we have it now. I mean, obviously it's not, but like just because whatever that existence is like is not going to be like what existence is now doesn't mean that there won't be some sort of quote unquote culture there just because we don't know what that is necessarily it's likely that it exists right and culture plays a pivotal role in everything yeah because i mean mean, culture is just how you interact with the people around you you know culture is how you communicate how you talk how you 
how you coexist. Right. But, so it has to exist on some level in heaven. We just don't know what a heavenly culture is. And what is culture? Obviously, culture in heaven is going to be different than culture on earth. But part of our culture is work. Part of our culture is sports. So yeah. that old saying, work hard, play hard, is absolutely true when we talk about our culture today. Like, Yeah. But we need to realize play can range. And this is where that enjoying the fruits of Adam and Eve's labor and rest all kind of tie in play can range from peace of mind to physical health, all the way to social interaction. Absolutely. From there, you begin to get organized sports, which creates rules, a sanctioning body. You know, you can't go here. You can't go there. Like what is a point? I mean, just think about it this way. Like, I, I'm not very, I'm not going to claim to be this workout warrior or anything, but I know you've played like football. Yeah. So like if you're in the gym, right. And you're working out, like whatever you're working out for, whether you're working out to get lean or to, you know, have endurance or to get ripped in huge and muscular or whatever, like your ability and motivation to do those things when you do it fully solo versus when you do it with another person or even better, a group of people is very different. Like having people around you who have that same goal that you're working towards together, not in a negatively competitive way, but in a positively competitive way in a pushing each other to do better kind of way. Which literally leads into my next point because that word competition you just used the etymology of that word literally means to strive together. Yeah. Like, it, it, rendering sport a mutually acceptable quest for excellence. Yeah. Like so, another positive example for that in my personal life is, you know, my kid Bible quizzes. Like they 100% they learn more Bible verses <laughs> because they don't want to be the one that knows the least verses on their team. They want to answer more questions and do better because they want to be the best, you know? And while you have to temper that a little bit, like we are literally wired and created to want to be better when we are around other people. And, you know, growing up in the church, we were very like, I felt like sports were kind of like looked down upon a lot. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and so like we, And so I think that sometimes we lost a little bit of that, like being competitive was weirdly looked down upon as like prideful. And that's just, it's weird because it makes you have this, this attitude that being successful is irrelevant and, you know, striving for greatness is bad. Well, Sometimes. And, and to your to your point, like you saying that sports were looked down upon, I, absolutely. But let's dig into why, right? Yep. So, why is it looked down upon? Well, think about the uh, it's called the Protestant work ethic uh, in sociology and in uh, historical terms. Uh, America is largely Protestant and thereby we gained a Protestant work ethic where we view work as necessary and play is unnecessary. I mean, today in today's society, we understand that play is absolutely necessary, especially for children. But 
we deem pretty much anything that doesn't seem productive as unnecessary and unneeded. And we look down upon it. So that's really where that comes from. And I think now in society, we are circling back to where these things, we realize the uh, importance of these things upon our culture, uh, not only as a church, but also as a society, as America. And yeah, definitely. I, I can say that like, man, I, I just need to like get a therapist to listen to this and then talk to me about the things I say on this podcast, I think, but I can look at my own life and I can see that like, there's times that like, I'll do something that I enjoy that has no purpose. Right. Yeah. And then I'll feel so much guilt and pressure to do things that I had on my to-do list that I bury myself in that thing that I enjoy because I'm overwhelmed by the pressure to be productive Yeah, and I can't well, handle it. Like that. I just like every part of me shuts down because like I let myself have a half an hour to enjoy something. And it made me feel so guilty that I like spiraled. Yeah. Well, if you look at, like people, uh, the first one I want to point to is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who uh, was a minister. I believe he was martyred uh, by the Nazi party. But uh, you might want to correct me on that. You might want to Google it, make sure I'm right on that. But either way, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer enjoyed tennis. You know, like people that we often revere as very strong Christian minded men who were largely productive enjoyed sport from time to time you know so he was hanged by the nazis after being in a concentration camp or various concentration camps for about two years yeah so that's what i was thinking i would say that's that counts as being martyred although technically he was executed for political reasons not religious reasons but well he was he was they were religiously political reasons so it counts yeah. So, but what we're saying is like claiming that sports were created good. So I, I'm saying that God implemented this idea of rest and enjoyment in creation, right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. And so claiming that sports were created good does not sound wild. Like it doesn't, it sounds pretty normal, but think about it. What you just said, we view oftentimes in our childhood, sports were looked down upon. Yeah. And most Christians think that sports creates a separate body and soul. So that, or that sports are inherently bad by exalting the physical body and play. Like the most likely argument being that it's fleshly, however, that it is however that is directly denying what fleshly actually means in biblical context because that when we say something is fleshly we're talking about the sinful nature but nowhere in the bible is jesus or paul saying to shed your actual flesh can we go on a pet peeve for a second (laughs) so i hate this argument i hate it i hate it with every part of me i don't hate people but I hate this argument when it comes up. And the reason I do is because people use it as like some Trump card sometimes, 
you know, like in, in my life, I've seen people use it as a trump card where they don't have a reason to say something is wrong and they can't justify explicitly calling something bad. So they just say it's fleshly because somebody likes it. Yeah, I mean, that and it's happens. not fair. Like, it's literally just people who have power telling people who don't have power socially in the church that they can't enjoy the things they enjoy because the powerful people don't like it. Yeah. Like, yeah. it'd be like me telling someone who likes hockey that hockey is fleshly, but football is great because I don't like hockey. So obviously it's not Christian to like it because I'm an authority over you like that. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Like you're literally just telling people that you don't, I don't like something because it just was never something I enjoyed or never something I was exposed to, but you do, but I don't want to deal with you liking it. So I'm going to tell you it's evil. Like it's not, it's not fair. It's not how Jesus would have done things. Jesus didn't go up to people who didn't like fishing and go, Hey, you're not fishing. So you're sinful. Right. Well, like, I mean, just because a third of his apostles were fishermen doesn't mean he had this weird, like everyone's got a fish philosophy. Yeah. Well, and to your point, lot, when we say that sport, that things are good. So this is where I'm going to, I'm going to take your argument. I don't, I'm going to say, Someone says, oh, that is good. But we only think it's good because we can use it as a means to an end, which is to evangelize and teach morals. Not that sports can be actually good. Yeah, I I took it as good like creation. I mean, you know, God said this is good. He said, like, literally every part of creation is good. I I kind of I'm of the opinion. And again, this is something we can probably reach out and talk about on another day. Um, a little more thoroughly, but I'm of the opinion that nothing that exists is inherently bad oh, because it exists. Later, save it for later in the podcast. <laughs> because the thing is, is that God said all of creation is good. So everything in creation could be used for good. That doesn't mean that However, it however. <laughs> but back to sports, I, I guess my thing is, is sports exist. So the idea however, of a sport in and of itself... However, we all know humanity fell. Yeah. Which caused Adam and Eve to be kicked out of the garden, forced to work in a much less fertile place. God did yeah. not refrain the ground from giving or stop the ground from giving Adam the la- the fruit of his labor. He did that to Cain. He didn't do that to Adam. So because of these human tendencies, you know, there were two trees in the garden that we were not allowed to eat up. That was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Mm -hmm. Guess which one we chose. We chose the one of knowledge of good and evil. You know why? Because we think that if we can know the things of God, like God knows them, that we can somehow figure out a way to get to the eternal life on our own. And isn't that the dichotomy that has been going on for generation and generation where, and Jesus directly confronts it by saying, I am the way, but that's a whole different conversation. So because of these human tendencies now, and because humans chose that knowledge of good and evil, and now we, their eyes were opened because of those tendencies, sports 
we took something that were that was good and we turned it into idolatry thereby taking something that is inherently good value to humans that something that can be positive and turning it into something that's evil just like you said yeah we take athletes and we make them gods and i would argue that as part of the fall wherever there are men and women there are idols you know john calvin and i'm going i know that we're not calvinists but he this he has a really good saying on this he says scarcely a single person has ever been found who did not fashion for himself an idol or specter in place of god surely just as water boils up from a vast full spring so does an immense crowd of gods flow forth from the human mind and the first scripture that comes to mind is Romans 1 and 24 uh, and through 25 says, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Yeah, I think. I think when we look at us today, we think that because we don't have this like explicit pantheon of all these deities and we're like, oh, we pray to the rain God for the rain and we pray to the sun God for the sun. And oh, we pray to the love God for marriage and the fertility God for children and the dinner God for dinner and the breakfast God for breakfast and the, you know, whatever God for whatever you know, because we don't do those things explicitly that we don't have idols. But, but again, but like it's, it's not that simple. We've just, we've just made it more. We've made it grayer. We've made our idols better at hiding what they really are. Exactly. But, you know, and, and but whether so, yeah. or not we really like sports, this is this is where we're getting into what you're talking about. We're where our idols are better at hiding. Whether or not we like them, sports awaken the religious part of us, do they not? Yeah. Sports and religion often vie for our attention. But they're they're constantly at odds with one another. I mean, I know I race home to get home and watch a NASCAR race or watch football, whatever. But why do I say sports and religion vie for our attention? Well, we need not look any further than the painted faces, the donning of jerseys, the repetition of catchphrases like skull and 49er faithful and who's got it better than us? Nobody. And fly, fly eagles fly. You know, all those things come to mind. Those are phrases that we use to consider that sports have gained a religious following. There are those who, instead of finding their identity in Christ, literally find their identity in their respective sports teams and their positions. Literally, a quarterback can say, I am the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And that is his entire identity wrapped up. He doesn't find his identity in Christ. He finds his identity in his position. And we do the same things over and over. For example, I am a huge 49ers fan. Why? Well, it's more than just, that's my dad's favorite team and so that's what i grew up with it's because i watched the catch over and over and over and over be played every time i watched the 49ers i learned about joe montana jerry rice steve young ronnie lott dwight clark 
I have a freaking Nick Bosa jersey in my closet right now as we speak. Like, so it's obvious why sports often usurp the place in our hearts where God is supposed to be because they evoke the same principles of and emotions. I mean, they, they evoke brotherhood, fidelity, accountability, sense of belonging, and an athlete doing some otherworldly things, and we say they're in the zone. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I think it's the easy target, you know, because I, I mean, I think you just described culture on some level, you know, those those the brotherhood and the fidelity and the accountability, all of those things. That's you get that from relationships. Exactly. But the thing that sets sports apart and makes it an easy target, I think, is that otherworldly thing. You know, like makes me think back I, again, Wisconsin. So I think of the Bucks championship they just had. You know, and I mean, it was crazy. Like they, they say there were a hundred thousand people outside of the arena during game seven or game six when they, when they clinched, like there were a hundred thousand people just in the streets in a empty field next to the arena, like, you know, and, and so like, but I think of like, you know, he got hurt at the end of the, the, the conference finals. And everybody's like, oh, the season's over. Because normally guys have that injury, they're out for weeks. Well, there weren't weeks left in the season. A couple days later, he's back on the court dropping 50 points like it's nothing. And it's just awe-inspiring. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, but watching a dude take two steps from almost mid-court and dunk a basketball, I don't know how he does it. Exactly. Well, I mean, well, he's tall, but he's not like, like it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. You know, I, I mean, I know, you know, you can think of all kinds of stuff. You can think of the catch. You can look at, you know, the, the Eli Manning throw in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, no, you just should not disrespect my man like that. <laughs> Eli Manning is one of my, is for, okay. So I went to the same college as Eli Manning and I was a massive Eli Manning fan. Uh, growing up, and like that 2011 playoff run where they're nine and seven to end the season and barely sneak into the playoffs, and Maybe when they're the worst Super Bowl champion ever. But Eli Manning goes on. Like, <laughs> you can argue Eli Manning he sucked in the regular season, but when it came to the playoffs, he was the man that you wanted. But uh, Eli Manning threw 11 touchdowns and only one interception in that entire playoff run. And once that team got to the Super Bowl, Eli freaking balled out. Like He went out there and looked like his brother. And one of the greatest throws in football history to this day is that throw of him from like the seven-yard line of their own, of their own side of the field. From the seven-yard line, he throws it to Mario Manningham. Has maybe like the size of a football type of window and gets a first down. Like Kurt Warner called it the best throw in Super Bowl history. And, you know, that kind of emotion that comes up when I think about that catch, and I can still see that catch in my mind in that replay over and over again, sports evoke that kind of emotion and, and feeling. Like I am a football coach currently and i'm gonna tell you like i watched some of my kids out there some of those big guys throwing their weight around 
and making tackles. Like I was pumped up. You but know what's again, crazy? You're telling that story about about Eli, and uh, I I thought it was about the other throw. Oh, the David Tyree throw, too. the Tyree yeah. one, yeah. In, so I was like, I was like sitting here listening, and I was like, and then you're like Mario Manningham, and I'm like, wait a second, that's not who caught that throw. Yeah, no, and that so David I'm Tyree like, throw where he caught it on his helmet, like where he caught I, it with his helmet. Yeah, that was crazy. that was insane. Like, and the fact that Eli shouldn't should have gotten sacked, broke out of it, ran for like two more seconds to get a to get an opening just enough to throw the ball. Like that is what he did at Ole Miss. That's the kind yeah. of stuff that he did. Yeah. So uh, for me, it was typical. Like that's what Eli Manning should have done for people that were watching. Like, holy cow, this guy is legitimate. I mean, and here's the thing. The reality is, is if we wanted to, we could probably do it e- easily do a 30 minute podcast, just telling sports stories of things that we've watched or we liked in our life and come up with new stories every week of stuff that was on TV or played. That was just amazing that week. Like, I mean, let's be real. Sports centers on for how many hours a day, <laughs> right? Like, it's a thing, and there's a reason it's a thing. There's a reason that it it does that because it evokes those emotions. It makes people feel things, and a lot of times it makes them feel things that they don't have another outlet to feel. Okay, you, you know that, and all those emotions that I'm getting about reliving the glory days of Eli Manning. But then I I think about it, like, when is the last time that I can, and I know like this is like kind of like that Trump card, like you were talking about, but I'm doing it to myself. (laughs) When is the last time that, you know, I can really remember my pastor, which I can remember this. It was literally like a week ago when a message just like wrecked me. Yeah. But that being said, like how many messages can I remember that absolutely wrecked me and changed my life versus how many plays can I remember that I mean don't have any weight on eternity, but dude, they were awesome. Like I remember a ton of plays, but I could only count on maybe one if two hands, how many messages I've heard that changed me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, I think that's the thing. And I think that's why I understand sometimes how people say sports aren't good, how they, why they would say that, that, because the way we talk about it and the way we act about it so often makes it seem like it's greater. And, and I think it's just, I think part of it's just our, our, our calibration of what's an idol and what's not, I think is a little off. So let me ask. And, you and I think it's because, and I think it's because they've been created in such a way that it's so hard to see the line nowadays. It's not like Baal where, Hey, you worship Baal. You literally go to the temple of Baal and you put your sacrifice on the altar of Baal. And then you pray to Baal. Okay, you worship Baal. That's really easy. <laughs> but you know, we but do like the how same with you know, we go to like uh you know, the 49ers, they used to have candlestick part. That's yeah. the goal. The players are yeah. the gods, the like 
you can have so many parallels and yeah i took my daughters to a brewer game the other day like i i I, we went and we bought them well we bought my oldest a t-shirt because we could not find a t-shirt in my youngest size that wasn't going to cost 30 dollars, and i'm not spending 30 dollars on a three-year-old's t-shirt we found them little cute baseball caps you know, put their ponytails through their, the back of the caps and they looked all adorable in their brewer's gear. And we went and watched and they don't know the first thing about baseball. They had no idea what was going on, but they were excited about the brewers until they got their butts kicked. They loved the sausage race because giant sausages over people's heads running around a baseball field is that's going to pull in a little kid crowd, you know, like, and they had a blast. Like, they are now asking that every year for their birthdays, we go see a brewer game because we saw it as part of my oldest's birthday week of things we took them to do, you know, and I, you know, to be upfront, we took them to another place that some Christians think is bad. We took them to a circus too. So, I mean, um, I mean, that's a whole nother topic. So we won't touch that too much, but like, it's like, at what point is that a, a temple when is that worship i mean i dressed them up in a bunch of clothes that talk about the thing we went to we went to a giant arena with you know 20 to twenty-five thousand people who were all crazy about watching their team and super disappointed when they lost you know i taught them how to cheer for them i taught them how to you know when you say certain things and when you don't and you know it, you know but like Exactly. I don't know where that line is. I don't have an answer to that question. But you know? here's the question I wanted to ask. Yeah. You know, people then point to the rampant immorality among these players as another reason. However, could we not just say, or and I say just say, but I don't I really don't have another word. Could we not say that's a reflection of society itself. But the fact that there are guys out there that beat up on their girlfriends and they do buy a bunch of hookers and they do drink until their liver fails and they do get high on cocaine and, you know, whatever. But at some point it's like that is society itself. And if you're expecting humans to act in any other way than greedy and angry and looking for self-gratification and glorification and all that, you are, you're, you're blind. Yeah. And I think that that creates a bunch of weird hypocrisies, you know, like you can't watch the sports team because the players do sinful things, but you can go to the restaurant where the chef does sinful things. Oh, well, you Wait. can you can go to church and listen to a pastor who has done sinful things. Yeah, or or you know, I mean, let's be real. What, very slippery. What if, what if the pastor is doing those same sinful things as those athletes that you're saying you can't watch a sport because there's some athletes who do those things. And unbeknownst to you, your own pastor is doing some of those same sinful things. It's a very slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. Like it's just like, we have to be careful. And, And this is one of the things that I really feel the modern church has kind of lost is this sense of drawing lines in a way that, 
makes sense everywhere that it applies. Right. Well, you know, and, and maybe everybody's always had a problem with that. I just, I don't know if everybody always has, but I know that people today very much do, you know, if if you say that you can't like a foot, you can't respect a football player's ability on the court or on the field because they do sin a, B and C, then, you know, are you, are the books you read written by people who do Simmons like that? Are the movies you watch created by people who just sends like that? Like, have you actually looked into the background of every single person involved in that TV show you watch or in that music you listen to? Like, right. I, I mean, the level of to say that you can't recognize that somebody has ability because they had sin in their life just, I mean, when did we get the right to judge people like that? Well, we don't. I mean, that's the that's the whole thing. But yeah, you know, honestly, I think either way we can look at it. Sports are both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, they present a very great opportunity to glorify God, which we see guys like Drew Brees would do that, and Kurt Warner did that, and uh, Kurt Cousins even does it. I don't know if you care to mention him but uh i always like when like there's people who are supporting both teams who are like look at all the christians on this team that means god's gonna bless them and then you flip the if you flip the channel and watch like the feed from the other city there's all these people in churches and that are fans of the other team saying literally the same thing yeah and it's not like back in the day in like ancient greece where it was like one city was getting the blessing of Zeus and one city was getting the blessings of Nike and we'd see which pagan God was better. Nope. They're all saying Jesus. They're all saying Jesus blesses my team more than your team. And that's why we're going to win. And I'm just like, um, I, I, I'm not sure that's how this works. Right. Well, (laughs) I mean, like I said, like it presents such a great opportunity to glorify God. Yeah. Rest and, you know, have fun. Like, I love going to Braves games, especially now. And yeah. however, they also present an opportunity to act upon lust and greed and anger and idolatry and self-gratification and self-justification and self-identification. Like in actuality, sports present so many incredible things for our society and for our culture. They often reflect society itself. I mean, God can have an eternal good for sports. Let's face that. Like, just as he can have with anything. I mean, it's obvious the church, that the church can appreciate the art of sport while also being a witness for Christ. Like, that's those two things don't have to be impossible. And, you know, it is just completely acidon that we have to have one side or the other. Like, just with anything, if it becomes, if it comes before God, like it's an idol. But, and yeah. as Larry said, our idols just do a very good job of hiding as idols. And often professional sports compete with God for our attention. And, you know, we're going to have a podcast probably later on about the, the competition between sports and God. And, you know, God wants all of us. He says, you know, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, 
with everything you are, basically. And sports kind of ask the same thing of you, right? I mean, it's not hard to see that sports screw up right alongside religion. I don't think that that's hard to see because it does many of the same exact things. And ultimately, Larry and I aren't going to say, like, this is right, this is wrong. But I will leave with one little Bible verse. And it's James 4 and 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. If you know to do the right thing, if you know that you're putting sports before God, it is sin. If you're putting anything before God, it is sin. Straight up. That doesn't mean it's sin for everybody. And that's kind of where I want to leave it. I feel like this is we I feel like there's a lot more that Larry and I could go on and on and on about. But we don't want to for our super, our future uh, sports highlights podcast. Yeah, we don't we don't want to we don't want to give you too much. We kind of want to we want to make sure that we have something to give you a little bit later on. But plus we're definitely out of time for this week. Plus we are definitely out of time. We've actually went over time. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we do appreciate it. You know, give us a like and a follow. Um, Check us out pretty much every Wednesday. Uh, and also, we have a new podcast called The Church Bulletin. Uh, check it out. Um, we we have fun with that one. It's just something that we <laughs> we kind of do because like, we were already doing it. And we're like, eh, this is good stuff. Like, we could change this. So uh, check us out there, too. Um, we do appreciate you guys listening. And uh, hopefully we'll get your attention next week.